and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me, as always, is the lovely, talented... Have I used the word vivacious yet? You have. You use it oh, a lot. <laughs> all right. I, do I? Okay. Well, uh, anyway, Priscilla McKinney, resident Mama Bird CEO and founder of Little Bird Marketing, is with us, as always. Priscilla, how are you? I'm great. I've got my coffee. And I got to say, you know, this is what a lot of people don't know at Little Bird, but we have, I think, the most excellent uh, collection of coffee mugs. <laughs> and this morning, Leighton brought one into me. And what's funny is that this is actually a mug that I gave him one Christmas party. And uh, it says at the bottom, it's all in, it's white, but it's all in hot pink. And it says effing magical. And it, it's like <laughs> stars and a unicorn. <laughs> Where did you find that? Oh, I think I actually found this one at Paper Source, but I, I have a wow. knack for finding stuff like that. So, you know, maybe that should be a spot on our podcast where I explain which mug I'm actually using. One of my favorite ones, and I love this about life at Little Bird, is I don't know where these things come from. Half of them that are in our thing, they are so funny, but it's like they just appear. Really? And sometimes we do go on like funny field trips and I, I have given out money and we go to the DAV, you know, to the thrift shop and I make them go pick something out or what, you know, so it's not that we don't do this kind of stuff, but sometimes these things just appear. But the other day, seriously, I went to go make coffee and there's a mug. It says, Brittany survived 2007. You can handle today. <laughs> <laughs> That's I laugh. brilliant. I just laugh so hard because this is my company. I don't even know where this mug came from. You should do that. I think that should be part of your daily like blog update. There should be a, a little square on your site that shows <laughs> Priscilla's mug of the day. Oh, I love it. I'm going to do it. You I'm going to do it. Go. I'll do that... I'll do a separate blog post for you. I'll tag you on it. Perfect. Think... Perfect. Anyway. Well, so, well, what is new? What's going on with you? Well, I'm so excited because I'm thinking right now, all things London. I'm heading out just in a couple of weeks to speak at Insights Marketing Day in London. They asked me what? to come. They don't, they don't ask a lot of Americans to come just to get a good mix. They do have, I have spoken at some of their other events, one in Chicago, one in New York, but I was right. so honored to get asked to speak in London. And it's literally, I mean, it's totally my hard stream. I, I am a little bit of an Anglophile and growing up in Europe, living in Spain, going to boarding mm -hmm. school in Germany, I've obviously traveled around an sure. awful lot. But as a kid growing up, I never went to London. The whole time I lived in Europe, I never went you, to London. How could you not go to London? I, I never went to Paris either. Oh, I mean, well, those, we lived in, we just lived in different places. I lived in Madrid and Malaga. I lived all, I, I've, I've traveled to every serious Podunkville in Spain because of what my parents were doing. They were traveling to tiny town to tiny town. Right. So I literally have been to every backwater in Spain there is. <laughs> okay? well, well, the only thing I'm going to tell you, when you go to London, the uh -huh. one thing you absolutely have to do is go get some fish and chips. Oh, yeah, I'll do yeah. it. Done. I mean, honestly, it's like I've, I've been to London uh, uh -huh. once and they do have the best fish and chips ever. Oh, yeah. And, you know, now as an adult, like Steve and I, Steve, that is our favorite town. If we get a chance, we're off to London. I mean, I love London. And uh, you you know, good friends of ours, the Brocks, they moved to Scotland where well, they were in London for a while. So we got I, to visit them. I did not know they moved to Scotland. Yeah, they've been in Aberdeen for oh you know, my gosh, for yeah, what been, I, fifteen I, years? <laughs> I, I spent like three weeks in uh, Motherwell, Scotland. That uh, oh, gosh, in the eighties, it's beautiful there. Yeah, well, they're way up north in Aberdeen, but I love London. I'm seriously, I I, I would do anything to go to London again. I, I I I am a tiny bit of an Anglophile. I think maybe it's because of the 
books I've read over, over my life. Growing up, I just was longing to find other people who ha- felt that l- wanderlust. Right, and it's right. not just for me about London, but as, as an adult now, that's my city of choice, my destination of choice uh, wow. for right now. But I've really been thinking about why am I like this? Why do I have such a wanderlust like this? And what what's at the bottom of it? And I started thinking about books that were really very formative in oh, okay. this feeling that I have. And uh, moving from Europe back to the States in high school, people have to get a little bit of a grip about what my life was like. But I went to four different high schools in three different countries. Good. So it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And so it's a little bit of a letdown to be like, oh, I can't just go two hours to this country. I can't just, right. you know, we're so big and spread out. And there you can be like, well, let's let's go up to France for the weekend and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> We'll just take the jet to France. Well, we used to go to Portugal all the time as a family. Every six months we did have to because we didn't have permanent visas. Oh, right, right. We just had like tourist visas. And so every six months we didn't have residency is what I meant to say. Every six months we had to leave the country, go get a stamp and get back. Yeah. So, you know, that my whole life was like that. And what my the job my parents were doing was nothing but travel. So, um, you know, so I've gotten to see a lot and I loved I found to love like the little, you know, um, hidden, you know, gem of a place. And, right, right. Um, but I'm just getting a little bit depressed because now I walk in um, to the department in the bookstore that is travel narrative and I look through and I just like I'm waiting for the day that I see something I haven't read. <laughs> it's kind of like waiting for uh, J.K. Rowling to do the next Harry Potter. Oh my gosh, seriously. I'm just like, it, it's so depressing. And I, two books that I literally just, you know, give you as a gift. Just oh. for, Anybody wants to really understand where I'm coming from and, you know, kind of get a, a sense of some of the, I think, the, the cool things I've heard in my lifetime and why I feel the way I do about travel in the world. Um, I read Pink Tanks and Velvet Hangovers really young. I, I, wow. maybe I was 16, Pink 17. Pink Tanks and I, Velvet I Hangovers? Oh my gosh. My sister Elliot gave me this book. Just, I mean, it was just like, looked like a piece of crap. It is like out of a pile of something at a thrift store. And today right. you can buy it on Amazon for 37 cents. But <laughs> not a lot okay. of margin. Uh, oh, in no, that book. no. Okay, I know we got to talk about something about marketing, but I got to tell you this. All right, go ahead. So this is an American that's in Prague, and it is literally he's there teaching English, but he happens to be there in the months, the very months following the total collapse of the socialist government in Czechoslovakia. Oh, wow. Okay, so he's there. He has a Czech girlfriend. And basically, he's there studying, so he's a pretty smart guy. But like these are the absolute very scary steps that they take into democracy and into capitalism. And so this is like written right in 1992. And it's just there's so many things that are awkward and, oh, just it's it's frightening. And yet it's there's something incredibly delicious about and juicy about the change. Oh, it's it's so awesome. It's so cool. It's such a great read. So, so you're saying it's worth it's well worth thirty seven cents. It's well worth thirty seven cents. <laughs> I don't understand on Amazon why it only gets three customer, you know, three stars. But for me, maybe if I go back and I read it now, I'll be like, oh, it's not really well written. I I don't think that would be true because I remember at the time thinking it was great, but I was a teen at the time too. Oh, gotcha. But it was a very thick book for a teen to be reading. But I found it so interesting. And, and then no surprise that I end up going to cultural anthropology with a minor in political science. You know, this was interesting to me. Right, right. But then the other truly big gift I could give any of my audience is a book that is absolutely in my top five of all time. All this, These two are on my top five. And this is McCarthy's Bar, A Journey of Discovery in Ireland. 
And oh, so wow. one time when Steve and I went to London, we decided, hey, you know, we still have never been to Ireland. So we took a trip to Ireland. But I'm telling you, I had so glad I read this before. But Pete McCarthy goes through and he has rules of travel. And he they're all like interspersed throughout the book. And one of them is if you walk by a bar and it has your name on it, you have to go in and drink. <laughs> it's a requirement, you know. So the front cover is a picture of him standing in front of McCarthy's bar. He's like, "Well, I found it, you know. Here it is. Wow. So got to go in and drink." What's funny is the picture is also at the very in front of it, sitting out on the stoop, is a nun drinking a Guinness. Oh, that's awesome! So I mean, oh my gosh! And well, well while you're like while you're in it. London, by the way, there <laughs> yeah. is a Leadbetter bar. Oh, really? So you need to go there for me. I'll, I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you the address. Okay, I will go and I'll take a picture. I'll send it to you. Do you want me Perfect. to do an in-store gift from there? Yes, yes. Do yeah, an in-store gift like a T-shirt or a mug or something. Yeah, okay. A mug. Hey, you know, I need a new mug around here. <laughs> you do, you do. Maybe since you get I'm a discount. Have, <laughs> since I'm going to have my uh, sporadic blog posts about my mugs now, right, I better right. start really beefing up my collection. <laughs> so anyway, those are all side uh, digressions that our listeners are absolutely used to. <laughs> wow. Now tell me this. How did, how did they get a hold of you? Did you send them a resume or? Or, or some sort of oh, press release or what well, happened? One of them reached out to me from a company called Green Book. I think I had, uh, I went back and asked her, how did she find me? And she said I had connected with her on something, probably, you know, I'm, I'm really big on LinkedIn. I make all of my best connections on LinkedIn. I mean, wow. And live there forever. So it's just one of those things where I had talked last year about, hey, you know, I, other people ask me to pretty casually ask me to speak at things. And I'm like, no, I want to make a go of this. I really want to go speak. I think I have something valuable to say. So I started mm. just kind of talking about it and putting it out there. And I think that's the entrepreneur fear to me that gets that's what I call like seeding where I, I just sure. kind of start talking about what's what's emerging for me. And I, I give it a little bit of life. And sure enough, I turn around and I'm in Chicago. I'm in New York, in London. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to people who are really playing at a higher level in the advertising world. And I don't mean that as any kind of slight on me. You know, I I'm super comfortable with where I'm at. And, you know, I work out of Joplin, Missouri. And certainly, you know, we we don't have just clients here in Joplin, Missouri, but I don't have that weird like, oh, little town, big town like that work is not in in that sense any better to me up there or worse. I'm just saying higher level in terms of their stakes are higher. They've got bigger budgets um, and they have a, um, a lot of times a deeper bench of talent to pull from. And again, I'm not sliding talent. I mean, like as in talent, like here at Little Bird. You have to wear, we, we say it all the time, a minimum of two hats. Mm. That's not because, and then other people talk to me like, oh, you should be able to singularly focus on one thing. I'm like, yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You know, it's just like, like people, you know, I talk about, you know, in other episodes with you, it's like people always say, be slow to hire and fast to fire. I'm like, yeah, that's nice sitting where you're sitting. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? And there's that, that sense of, you know, I'm like, yeah, an entrepreneur doesn't have the luxury of sitting back and, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking about what's going on in your business. Right. Well, I would have, should have, could have. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's all this great advice, but the, the entrepreneur is in the trenches doing it. Because of that, I think I do have something really valuable to offer those people because they have gotten so embedded in these thoughts and practices and tactics, marketing tactics that they believe in. And also, if you could think about it this way, some of these agencies are trapped 
in some of these traditional medias and even digital media, you know, packages that they can't, even if they don't believe them in them anymore, or that they don't think they're returning good return on investment, they can't walk away from them because these people have huge mortgages. They have huge salaries to pay. They have huge realities and they are having to make those decisions at a much bigger level. And they're also stuck, but they can't be honest about what's really happening in TV. You know, no one's watching your TV commercial, right? Right. right. You know, this kind of stuff. And I'm going to exaggerate. I'm not going to say things that I'm going to regret saying here, but I, <laughs> I will say there's that disruptiveness that I really love. I love being in, in that environment where I'm not unkind or full of ego at all, but I can come into a conversation like that and they say what what it is that's going on in their world and I can be the Oh, well, couldn't the opposite be true? Whoa. Right. <laughs> uh, no, we have to always sell banner ads. That's the way it is. Well, couldn't it be true that there could be something else that is better for the client? <laughs> and I, like I said, I'm not going to pick on any particular, sure. any particular tactic or any particular type of media avenue. But, you know, I think that Gary Vaynerchuk is really a disruptor in the advertising world. And I'm certainly not trying to compare myself to him, but I think there is one small piece that is like this. I still have the power to disrupt and the experience to disrupt people who went to school for marketing, got a job at an ad agency, came up the ranks, was the junior this, was the junior, just doing what people told you ahead of you and fitting into the advertising world mold without that direct client experience and without that direct knowledge of what it takes as an entrepreneur to actually run a company and make a company profitable. Mm. So you have creatives working who have been nothing but creatives their entire lives. Right. And they're working on a project and making a decision about your ad, but they've never actually been on the business side of it. They don't really feel the risk. They don't feel what I call the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. (laughs) That's such a great phrase. I really like that. The stunning discomfort. Oh, I like the phrase. I just don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, a long story short to say is that I think that what I bring to the table and why I get really excited talking with people like that is they have a lot to teach me. They, I, I kind of look sometimes at them like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a budget like that, you know, for, for a client or, but on the other hand, I'm really happy with where we are in that. I think that we are still really thinking, oh, I hate to say this outside the box. We still know how to think in a way that disrupts. Right. And I think the bigger and bigger an agency gets, the trick is to not lose that disruption thing. And there are agencies out there who have done that. Um, I think, though, the proof's in the pudding that a lot of them feel like you have to back down into smaller pockets. If you look at Saatchi and Saatchi, you know, they break down as smaller, even Wyden and Kennedy, they're they're known for hiring separate local firm, a very small shop to do a particular campaign. I think they know something there. Right. They know that that outsider perspective, that gumption, I I call it around here, elbow grease. I still am really willing to do elbow grease. And even when clients come to us with large budgets, I still sit at my desk and think, okay, 
but how would we achieve these goals if we had no money? Mm, and that's a, gr- that's a great perspective to look at. Yeah. And so because I've never been sold on any particular tactic across the board. I mean, we're working a lot on video this year. So it's not that we don't ebb and flow or have things that we're like, hey, this is really working. Let's move this direction. Of course, it's just that I feel like we're always listening and always willing to shift gears. Right. And if I look at the retainers that I have for companies who have been with us for years and years, this last year, I made a big shift on every single one of those retainers. We are not doing the same things for that same money. And I've just Mm. been and explained to them, look, hey, your company's at a different place. Our company's at a different place. They haven't changed the amount of their retainer, but they've let me come in and provide some truth to say, hey, you know what, what we did last year, I think it worked, but I think at the end of the year, it started fading. And so I would like to reallocate this money to this. This is where I think we could make the most impact in the next year. And it requires some humility in that to say, hey, on one hand, you could think, oh, you're saying what you did didn't work. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is active, the law of diminishing returns. And if you don't keep changing with your client, then you are going to end up losing that client. Whereas I think about most of my clients that are on retainer, they've been on 50% of them have been with me for seven years. Oh, wow. (laughs) And those are my big retainer clients that I can count on them every month. You know, I can grow my business because that stuff there, but I'm not doing the same thing I was doing for them seven years ago. Right. It's not a cookie cutter. No, it's never a cookie cutter. And that's why I'm saying I think that I get excited talking to crowds and things like people in in London and New York and Chicago and these kinds of things, not only because sometimes I do look longingly at their budgets and things like that, but I and and I would like to be able to have meetings with people who have really specialized talent. On the other hand, I don't think I would trade it for the kind of just real common sense approach and like the heavy amount of ownership I see our team take with a with a client. We're mm-hmm. still so in touch with the owner that we feel like, gosh, this is money out of their pocket. What should we do with this? Right. We still right. have, I don't know, that, I guess that ownership. And well, it, it sounds like it's a respect, too. I mean, it's like, it's not like they have this huge deep pocket that you just, mm-hmm. you know, grab into willy nilly. It's like mm-hmm. you really respect the fact that these people worked hard for that. Mm-hmm. parlay of cash and right. it's not like okay that'll never end i'll just keep grabbing and grabbing and grab if that doesn't work we'll try this if that doesn't work you have what i'm getting is there is a respect for not only the resource that these people are putting out there but mm-hmm. for actually the people themselves yeah, absolutely i mean I, I i frequently think well if this were my money how would i spend it but the thing is i'm in tune with that because I market my own company. Right, right. And I have to think about these things. Is that really the best use of my money? And Or before I spend that money, what would I want to know? Mm-hmm. What kind of research do I think is important before I spend that money? And if I spent that money, how many internal hours do I think we should spend toward it? We, we just had an interesting conversation. And in some ways, I wish people would hear some of the hard conversations we have here at Little Bird. We struggle all the freaking time <laughs> to <laughs> ma- strike the best balance between marketing ourselves as an agency and doing the amount of work that comes in. It is a fast paced environment. It is one where we are very diversified. You know, we have a lot of clients that are in the uh, 120 to 150,000 a year retainer range. So you can't have a multimillion dollar ad agency on a few of those, right? So we have a, a wide, diverse book of business. And so we are constantly shifting gears from one to another and really keeps people very focused, but 
also we have to make sure that even though there's important deadlines and we are really getting work out on the right time, we also have to be thinking, what are we seeding for our company? What, what, what's coming up? What's emerging? What, what should we be listening to? And I think I could maybe liken it back to this. This is talked about Kristen Wheeler's native genius. Like if you, right. someone locked you in a room, what's the thing that you literally could not not do? Right. So lock me in a room with three people. What ends up happening? Well, I kind of start hearing what people dream about. And well, what, how would that look? And what, you know, I'm, I'm a freaking dream whisperer, right? Right. Um, right, right you know, right. but I'm that kind of person who likes to be like, well, what, what could that idea? I'm a cedar. I'm a cedar. I'm always thinking about seeding something like what what are the little things we could plant? Now, I'm not saying they're going to come up today. Right. <laughs> Got to water them. Some of them might get neglected. They may never come up. But I am very much a believer in seeding things and hollowing yourself out for a minute of all your busyness and mm-hmm. looking inside and saying, well, what what do I want to do? What could be good? What what would be, you know, life giving? What could what would I want my business to look like? What do I want to be doing right. day in and day out? And I think that when I talk with other owners like that, that's why they're paying us as an ad agency, not just because, yeah, we've won a lot of awards for creative work and the guy, you know, I've got an excellent team. But I think at the end of the day, it's because we talk with them about, oh, what could be? What could be? What could be? Okay. What could be? What could that look like? And what could that look like? I just think it's about going back to that. And because we are so stuck on that, I think then we're not afraid to tell the truth if something's not watering the plant right. Right. And can I just, for a point of clarification, say that there is a big difference between being a seeder and being CD. (laughs) (laughs) And you would be the former rather than the latter. Yes, you may. You may. Okay, thank um, you. (laughs) But, you know, I was just talking, you know, in the beginning of the year of goals with our company, and I created this system, which actually I've been thinking about a lot, thinking, gosh, I really need to codify this because it made a lot of sense to me. And it's just kind of naturally came out of me. But I basically went into our meeting saying, look, let's divide our company up like this. Let's talk about this in five different buckets. What are we seeding right now? Mm-hmm. What are we sprouting right now? What is growing? What is really flourishing right now? But it's maybe a little, it's just growing. It's in that, like, in that um, middle stage. Yeah. What, what about what we do is maturing? And what are we mastering right now? Like, people are like, oh, man, send that to Little Bird. That, I mean, that will be, they'll get it done in half the time and it'll be eight times more amazing. <laughs> so I made them put us through that. Oh. Last year, we were seeding me being more of a speaker mm-hmm. and the speaking engagements were seeding and now they're sprouting and they're right. making such amazing connections for us. Well, it could have died in the seeding things, but the ra- the reality is it's moved over into sprouting because it got some life. It got some air. It got some the right. What is he saying? Not really right. It's no nutrients, no substance. <laughs> um <laughs> So anyway, (laughs) really digress down into Nacho Libre. Eagle powers, come to me. (laughs) Um, You know, this is interesting because we can see that certain things that we were doing were seeding and now they're sprouting. So how do we allocate our resources the best to that? So here's my challenge to my listeners is thinking about, you know, their own company. And if you don't have a company then thinking about what about your own efforts, your own life goals? This is this is universal. What kinds of things are you just thinking about? They're just you haven't even voiced them even maybe yet. But what things 
are you seeding? And these are developing new ideas. The signs of this is like, oh, all of a sudden you're talking with just your closest friends about this. You haven't really mm-hmm. talked out, out about it. Maybe even you picked up the phone and called a, an advisor about it. You start just a little bit of consulting. I know way back when I was thinking before I moved into this place, I was thinking about building a signature building. So I called a really close friend of mine who's who is in major acquisition, a major commercial building. Now he works for Walmart for a major real estate acquisition. And then a friend of mine, very renowned architect. Right. And so they're very good friends of mine. And so I called them and just said, hey, can I take you both to lunch? Can we just talk? I had this thought about maybe building a signature building right now. Could you talk with me about it? Just give me a little advice. I'll buy you lunch. Great. Sounds good. That's not a paid consulting, but that's reaching out within consulting advisors still. And it's interesting because sure. they told me absolutely not. This was like right after the tornado. And they're like, no, do not. Everybody's speculating. Everybody's overbuilding in Joplin. Don't do it. And I'm like, Great. So it died just because a seed dies and doesn't start sprouting. It, that's not wrong. <laughs> right, right. It's just right, right, what right. kinds of things in there. Maybe you start networking to gauge the interest. That's what I did with my speaking. You know, I'd been asked to speak here and there. And I'm like, well, I've never really put it out there that you can hire me to speak. Well, so then I started networking with people. And that's like I say, how the people at Green Book found me. I started networking that way and kind of putting it out there in the world. Well, there were a lot of takers. So that's turned into sprouting for us. And so I I think about breaking these things down when you're seeding. This is when you're developing new ideas. You start talking with a a close knit group of people. Mm -hmm. But the signs of things that are sprouting are now you're talking to clients about this. Right. Now you're mm-hmm. talking numbers about this. Let's get a grip on this. Maybe you're not even talking to clients about it yet, but maybe you're throwing it out to a couple close clients and saying, hey, what would you think if we tried this and this and this? You're starting to drop, trying to put boundaries around it. Like in, in what instance could this work? Yes. The interesting thing about sprouting, and this is what I will say to everybody who's an entrepreneur or anybody who's thinking about going out on their own, or if you're managing a, a marketing budget and you're like, no, I need this work. What things are sprouting for you you are still unsure of profitability. Mm. And you better get okay with not knowing. And this is one of the things that I love about Gary Vee is that he talks about how much more we are all in marketing so interested in vanity metric and in calculating ROI and all this stuff. We're never really honest about how subjective creative is, about how subjective some of the decisions are, about how much of an experiment it is going to be to put, to sprout something. Right. And I think that's where I'm just maybe a little bit more okay with risk. And I think that's why I get to still be a truth teller (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I'm okay with sprouting. I like sprouting. I think sprouting really, I think it's interesting and it's fun and it's challenging. And it's, (laughs) I I think my tendency is to just love the sprouting. But I I think that talking with a team, you have to know that you really have things that are growing and that when they're growing, these are things that you kind of can't help it. Your, your clients are already asking you for it and, you don't create the conversation. The conversations are coming to you. Mm-hmm. And you, if that's the case, you better firm up your content. You better firm up your sales packages. You better right. firm up what your offering is because it's going to come. It's going to get crazy. And that's for us. That's our business accelerator. We took almost two years to develop this proprietary program that basically allows a smaller business on a budget to be able to actually create 
a marketing platform that is set up correctly <laughs> mm. and is flexible, but yet tells you really what are you going to do tomorrow when you come in. And it takes the mystery and all this ooh la la about marketing out of it. And it just makes it a job, a job where you're not worried about the organization. You can spend time on creative and you can do the ooh la la because you're not just so desperate to figure out what am I supposed to be doing next? It does that for you, right? right. So that, we, we don't even talk about it anymore and it's just coming to us. You know, people are like, you know what we really need is, and that tells us that that thing that we seeded, we sprouted and it's growing, that we struck a nerve. Mm. And so now we're like, oh, that struck a nerve. We better shore that up. We better make sure it is like super awesome. And this is funny, but you know, we have the whole program done but we realized that we really needed to celebrate people finishing the program. It's a three-month program, 12 weeks that we go through and help a company, either if it's a solopreneur, then it's them by themselves. If it's a, we have, we have each one of like these guys or like a team, a small team, three or four, and we need yeah. to teach them, teach someone on there. So we, we may have sold the CEO, but we're teaching someone on their team how to do it. Mm -hmm. or a very large company whose marketing, internal marketing department, they have a lot of people, but it's in such disorganizations, total disarray. And they're not sure what they're like. Well, we have a lot of talent here, but we don't know what they should be doing. We don't know how many times they should be doing it. We don't know how to reuse content. We don't know, you know, these kinds of things. So we're working with several of these and the program is awesome. But we came back and went, oh, how do we take it from growing to maturing? We came up with this awesome, like when you're done with the program, you get a party in a box. We wanted to celebrate people who finished this this program because it is a big deal to really finally get your marketing on the right platform and on the right track. So we, I, I don't want to steal our thunder very much, but we created this really cool party in a box and we put champagne in it. We put instructions on how to throw a party. And, oh, how fun. Yeah. And this Friday, we're having a, just a free beer party at our, our office so that we can record a big celebration and champagne going off and, you know, balloons and all <laughs> So that. you can actually have the background of yeah, it. That's so awesome. Yeah. So we're going to send them this video saying, congratulations, you did it, you know, and it's just a fun and funny, creative way at the end to celebrate this client for doing the right thing and getting things back on and really to wow. give them that boost up. So that's the difference between a product that was growing and now it's a product a service that is maturing because now we're thinking about ways to polish it. <laughs> right. What Now, what time is that starting Friday? Because yeah. I'll be there. Uh, five o'clock. Five o'clock? Great. I'll, I'll be there by three. Just so you know, <laughs> but basically there's always free beer here, so you don't have to wait till Friday at five. Oh, well, I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in the last piece, just so I finish that thought, is what things are your, is your company mastering where actually you need to kind of prune it back a little bit. Maybe these are things that go on. You're very good at. These don't take much effort, but they're highly profitable, but right, maybe you want to right. take a little less. You kind of can carve out. You have the luxury of carving out. Maybe, no, I don't want that, but I'll take this and I'll take that. And I think for me, there's a lot of consulting opportunities. And I think that in my expertise and what I have, the pieces that I have mastered, I think I can be selective in that and say the people that are going to find me really perfect for consulting, it's got to be the right piece. It's not going to be everybody. 
Right. Because I am a disruptor and I am a truth teller and I can either come in and look at a large company and spend a month talking with people and going through kind of my proprietary evaluation system and saying, okay, this is what's missing. Let me tell you what, these KPIs are total crap. Mm -hmm. Don't even look at this. And I can offer another voice in the marketing wilderness (laughs) crying out. (laughs) Yes. But I don't think that's perfect for everybody. And so like in terms of mastery, like what is it that you do? that you can be very selective about doing because you are very good, but you can add amazing value in a small amount of time. And I I think whether you're a solopreneur or you're a big business or, you know, you work for someone or you work for yourself, I think we can all think about our lives on these. But that's to me is what's exciting about going into London is I'm going to get to have amazing conversations with amazing people that are experts. And I'm going to learn. I know I'm going to learn so much, make great connections. But I think that it's that back and forth. I know what I have to offer, so I can't wait to see what someone else has to offer that is that equal, but in something I am clueless about. Right. Well, and you'll probably pick up a cool accent while you're there. Mm. Cheerio. Top top of the day, governor. I don't even know if they say that anymore. I just thought I'd throw that out. Okay, so let's end on this because that's, that's some interesting marketing stuff. But I did for you, since we oh. talked about London today, I went yeah. and found the fun fact that I think I thought that you would like about oh, London. Well, does it have to do with the Black Plague? Oh, no. No? Oh, well, then I'm sure it's still interesting, but go ahead. The Bedlam Asylum was one of the most popular tourist attractions in the 18th century in London. Okay. People would go there and they, get this, paid a penny to watch suffering inmates. What? This is so sick. So, I, you know, you're always into the macabre and whatever. Well, yeah, but, yeah. About, you know, anything from bullfighting to the, the lion's den, which I think sure. is like day boxing, you know. Right, so, it is. It pretty Cage much fighting. I can't believe people, people pay to go watch people suffer like that or maybe that die. Is- they pay a penny to watch uh, to watch inmates. Real actual suffering inmates. Okay, here's the getter. Here's the getter. Entry was free on Tuesdays. <laughs> That's where it turned into marketing. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That, that I mean, is, I thought you would appreciate that. You're such I, a you know macabre you know. Well, person, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, well, I, I think it's funny that uh, that. <laughs> For one, an insane asylum uh, allowing people to come in and look at the at the at the patrons uh, yeah. for a penny. Yeah, it's horrible. but free on Tuesday. Yeah, on it's Tuesday. like it's that's like happy what, hour. Bring your just, own insane person. I know it's just it, there's something so wrong. Okay, so I'll I'll end it on. Well, no, I'm not going to end it on a positive note yet. But this is one of the things that's been in my mind about London. This was made back in 2011, and I think my husband and I watched it. I think on you know the TV shorts that are This American Life. Oh yeah, right, right, right. But I think it was on the, I know I'm going to get that wrong. I'll take that back, but I'll have to look it up what it was. But they actually did a short, there was a story that ran about this. In 2011, a lady died in London, an apartment in London, and her body was found three years later. No. Now, this is what's interesting. You think, oh, yeah, I could see that happen or whatever. When they went through this story, you should, I'm seriously, you, you should, I'll put it in the show notes. But this story is so crazy interesting in that she was young. She was like 30-something. She had a date with someone the night before. She had a sister. She wasn't paying any of her bills. All the water was turned out, like everything, her rent, all that you think about all the things in modern life that would stack up her mail, 
the, yeah. the bills, the water being turned off. The, the I mean, you think about all the safety, all the stops that you think that we have. Right. And the fact that like a sister didn't hear from her for three years. And when you got into the relationships, they weren't estranged. They weren't, there was nothing really weird about it. She didn't show up for work. <laughs> I mean, it is just this crazy story. So now those are two negatives about London Town. So I don't want to end on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that there's some really good fish and chips in that. Wow. Well, yeah. And uh, well, I, I think you really do need to go to that insane asylum and get me a t-shirt from free shirt Wednesday or something. Like okay. That. All right. I, I will. But you know, I'm there on the day that is celebrating like an anniversary of like an 18 something that the first classified ad was placed in, in the London times. So really? big advertising day. I happen to be speaking in London on that day. Well, I hope you use that as part of your keynote. I, get, I think oh, that would be, yeah. you, you need to. Okay. Done. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, wow. those, those are pretty cool things. But here's a strange one that nobody else will have seen. But in 1251, now I looked this one up. 1251, Henry III was given a polar bear by the King of Norway. It was kept in the Tower of London on a long chain so that it could still swim in the Thames. <laughs> I, no joke. I, mean, I found this, you know, if, if, if Google's to be believed. But I tried to find right. a fun fact, you know, about London and try and end this on a more positive note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think we were on a nosedive there with the uh, with the insane asylum, which still I, I think that's amazing. Okay, well, but. here's the real positive note to the end of London is that I'm going to eat like a freaking queen because it's oh, yeah. a foodie town of the world. I mean, oh my it's God. crazy. I'm, I'm going to Jamie Oliver's 15. I'm going to have lunch at the Savoy. I'm at I mean, it goes on and on. I, I just I really made a list and the people that I'm going to be meeting with. I'm like, hey, it's my treat. Let's go have a great talk. Oh, by the way, we're going to eat at a fantastic restaurant <laughs> yes we're gonna be going here here and here and oh here. and i just love their pub culture in the afternoon and evening you know just like being able to really sit out just have a beer talk with someone and it's just people congregating i love that i, I right. really miss that about europe we just don't yes. have that kind of open feeling and no no we don't we that's something we sorely miss here i mean it really has gotten to like the fast the the fast food mentality it's like oh. the the most important conversations you'll have is maybe in the line of starbucks mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like they don't have that we're going to stop we're going to take a breather we're going to have a couple pints of guinness and we're going to talk and yeah. i think that's we really i i think we miss out on a lot uh, under the auspices of well we're not doing anything right oh no totally when i one one time one time that uh steve and i went to london we went with ron and michelle my sister and mm-hmm. brother-in-law and i mean you could not these four people let me just tell you you should win a prize <laughs> and get to go to europe with these four because we're we we love it we it we sit down and i mean we see each other a lot we're close we're you know we're great friends but literally, we I, I can think about amazing conversations we had in Paris, just sitting out in Saint Michel, just sitting and having a glass of wine for right. four hours outside. You know, in London, say, and even you know, we've gone when it's been really cold, but people are still not afraid to just be outside and connect and talk. And how many times I've just stood outside of a pub having a great conversation with someone about the freaking meaning of life it doesn't happen that much in this culture. It's just something that's missing in the culture, and I and I really really love that there. So I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of an Anglophile, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Well, I I expect a full report when okay, you get back. Okay, I will. Uh, and a new mug. And a new mug. Yes, for heaven's <laughs> sake. You know that's got to be a new feature now. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, let's do let's well, let's run a little test. Maybe we should run a little contest cool. on our social media, and I'll post this. All right. And I will get a London like a surprise London uh, mug, 
and we'll do run some little contest. I'll, I'll just have to figure it out with somebody on my team and we'll give I'll buy one for this shop, but then we'll give away the same one. Oh, that, that's great. That means that I'm going to be have to be hunting high and low and getting really the best mug ever. Oh, well, and by best, you mean worst. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited about that. I may have to enter that contest myself. You I may. You may. That okay. would be fun. Well, listeners, of course, we always want to hear your feedback on, on what you have noticed in your business. What have you seen that you've planted that's actually sprouted, that's actually gone through the whole process of maturation? We want to hear that. And, of course, any other questions or comments that you may have, you can always post that on the Little Bird website, our Facebook page, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. And speaking of downloading podcasts, we would love it if you'd head on over to iTunes and you'd give us a rating. Of course, we'd always love a five-star rating, but whatever rating you give, we would gladly take that feedback. So for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur, this is Dan Lendon, along with Priscilla McKinney, saying, top of the day, governor. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.